Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikalskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. My guest is Dan Hampton. He is a New York Times bestselling author, and his brand new book is Valor, the astonishing World War II saga of one man's defiance and indomitable spirit. The book is available everywhere, and Dan's a former fighter pilot himself and flew lots of missions, but we'll uh, get into this. Dan, the thing, this book is about Lieutenant William Harris, Bill Harris. I, the thing that opened my eyes most when I read this book is I had this image of academy graduates who get out of the, the academy and they go and get these, these essentially white-collar jobs in the military. That was not the case for Lieutenant Harris, a product of the times. Can you kind of explain where he was in life when he got out of the academy? Right, and that's, that's really not the case with, with most military officers. I mean, you know, they make a lot of movies about, about everybody else in the military, and that's fine, they should, but people need to remember that the military officers are the ones who lead the units, they're the captains of the ships, they fly the airplanes, so they take their chances just like anybody else. In Bill's case, um, he came out of the academy and he went to China with the 4th Marine Regiment. And when, when that got sent to the Philippines in advance of the Japanese, the you know, anticipated Japanese invasion, that's how he ended up in the Philippines fighting on Corregidor. So he leaves the academy. He's in the late 30s. World War II started, and he ends up in the South China Sea. You have this story explained so well, and I don't want to give anything away from the ending of the book, but the way you put this together, you had to collate this from records and essentially letters, right? Letters, records, and I was very fortunate in that Bill's daughter had a 1,500-page manuscript that Bill had written, probably for, for therapy after the war. He just needed to get it off of his chest. So everything in that book that's first person or Bill's thoughts or words came out of that manuscript. They're his words, not mine. I read the words of Bill in this, and I think to today and the, the people who are military age today, and I can't imagine the, the prolific writing that people had back then as opposed to now. When you read these, did, did, you, did it sound like you were reading a published author the way these, these words were written? Because they're beautiful. Yeah, um, he, he really had a way with words. He didn't, he didn't talk much, uh, but he could write, write quite well. And, uh, and, and, you know, you have to remember writing was a much, much more encouraged skill then than it was now, than it is now. You know, there's no texting or instant messaging or any of that garbage. People had to actually write letters to communicate, so they understandably got pretty good at it. I know 1942 seems to be a pole star day for, for him, or uh, May of 42. Can you explain what happened in Manila Bay that really put him on the track to having a book written about him by someone like you later on in life? That's, that's gratifying. Thank you. But what happened is, is the Corregidor uh, was forced to surrender. The island that guarded the entrance to Manila Bay, they were cut off, isolated. There was, there was no hope of, of any resupply or rescue or reinforcements. They basically had to surrender or fight to the death. And so the Army general in charge surrendered everybody. Bill was a Marine, but they were under Army command at the time. Uh, Bill quickly decided that he did not want to remain a prisoner. He was beaten literally to the point of death. And when he recovered from that, he made up his mind to escape and get back in the war or die trying. That was the most tragic thing, I think, that I read in all of this book is here's somebody that serves in World War II, gets out, has a relationship, has, has uh, you know, a relationship with his family, and then goes back in. I would think that one war would be plenty for somebody, but that wasn't the case back then with how soldiers served, right? 
Uh, well, it, it isn't the case now. I know many people, myself included, who fought in several wars. Uh, when you're a professional, when you're a career uh, military person, uh, you know that you, you've got that choice after your commitments up. I, like you, you know, if, if I'd been through what Bill went through, I think I probably would have gotten out and become a banker or something. <laughs> but he he chose not to do that. He came from a long line of military officers. His father was a general. And he felt he still had a duty to his country. The tragedy is he, he fully intended to get out after his next war. And unfortunately, he didn't get that chance. When you write a story about him, that you're, about someone that you, you've never met, and you're just reading him from letters, hearing secondhand, is it like a, uh, creating a fictional character in your mind? I mean, do you have certain assumptions that you have to make about how Bill would have thought? Or what was your insight into his character to try to capture it on the page like you did? Well, in this case, it was really easy because I had his words. And, you know, after wading through that, that manuscript, which was excellent, but it was very disorganized. It was all, you know, done sporadically. Uh, I, I really felt like I knew him, but I didn't have to, I didn't have to stretch anything. Not that I, I would anyway, because I don't think that's what a nonfiction writer should do. Um, but I had all of his thoughts and words, and I knew how he felt and thought about all these things. So it was really relatively simple to, to write the book, and it was a real pleasure. I felt like I got to know him by the end of the book. I know you've served in the military. You've had a, a, a heck of a career yourself, but when you see somebody like a, a Bill Harris, are there, when you're, when you're studying, when you're training for military, whatever type of training you go through, do you study people of the past who've served in the military to get an idea, or how does the history play into current training for the military? I don't think it does much. I mean, it does, at least for, for officers, we're required to take military history courses, but that, that's more at a strategic level to learn how things were done in the past, more for context than anything else. Most of the training, at least the stuff that I did as a fighter pilot, was more focused on, you know, what am I going to do now? How am I going to make this work? How does this jet work, this weapon work? How do I use it to, you know, save guys and things like that? Was Bill an outlier for the type of soldier that was serving at the time? Or was he as common as anybody else? I mean, were there a lot of Bill Harris's at the time? Ooh, don't call him a soldier. He was a Marine. <laughs> there you go. Don't, don't take offense at that. Um, you know, I think that generation was truly called the greatest generation for a reason. You know, they really were a, a, a very tough, self-reliant group of folks. And I think in that respect, he was very typical of his time. He was atypical. You know, in in where in that where he came from. You know, his family connections, his his uh, the prestige of his lineage. He didn't have to do that, and there were a lot of guys like that. You know, they didn't have to go off and fight and probably die in some godforsaken hellhole somewhere. They did it because they sincerely believed it was their duty to their country. You know, I, I'm always amazed when a nonfiction writer puts together a story like this, calling from several different sources, and because nothing comes in in a linear fashion to try to tell a story. But how did you take about all of the research that you had and all the information that you had and put it together in a logical format to flow for a book? Yeah, with a couple of martinis. <laughs> couple. Uh, no, um, you know, they, they don't even write themselves. But what I try to do is I try to put it into whatever the period is. I try to make people see it through the eyes of whomever I'm writing about. And, and I find that personalizes history. And, and people seem to like it. They respond to it. They get interested in it. And they think, hey, I never knew that. And this, this person is a real person just like I am. And that's the reaction that I'm hoping for from people when they, when they do this. Because as you said, it, it takes a lot you know, to blend this into the, the real historical events that were happening.
happening at the time and to, to do it through this person's eyes. There's a line in the book, and I'm sure you don't remember it specifically writing it, but you, you made a, a comment and or, or you wrote the line that Bill felt the best he had in months. And, you know, that talked about full night's sleep and things like that. The detail that you've culled from the information that you had, to, to get into somebody's feelings, how confident are you that you're able to capture the feelings of something so simple as the best he's felt in months? Well, uh, I, I do remember that because I remember reading what he wrote about it. And although I've never swam Manila Bay and been a POW, thank God, I have been in enough bad, long, you know, prolonged situations where I know how he felt. You know, all you want to do is sleep. All you want to do is eat. You know, all you want to do is not worry about something for a few hours. So I could, in some of these cases, project, you know, my own experiences into it because I know what he meant when he said certain things. I know that it's probably hard to take you out of who you are because who you are is who you are, but I don't think anybody other than somebody with your military background could have written a book this captivating about this and understood it enough to relate the story. Do you have that sense that there's only one type of person, maybe maybe even only one person that could have written the story? Well, that's flattering. Thank you. Um, I, I, I think it would take, it takes a combat veteran to, to really write and understand another combat veteran. And I don't mean that in any sort of patronizing way. I just mean that it's an experience that, that only certain people have had. And until you've had it, you can write about it, you can read about it, you can study it, but you really don't get it until it's happened to you. And from that point of view, I, I really try to, to make people understand what Bill went through. That's an amazing story, and I, I just couldn't believe some of the things I read in here, some of the atrocities, and uh, it's a fantastic book. The book is Valor, The Astonishing World War II Saga of One Man's Defiance and Indomitable Spirit by Dan Hampton. The book's available everywhere. Dan, just a fantastic book. I learned so much from it, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. My pleasure, Brian. Anytime. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Call on me.